you know what it is. You know who it is. Welcome back, everybody listening to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I'm back again like I never left back in the building, like it's gone for just a short breath. I'm not going to go in a whole rant, you know, trying to flow, flow in and out of here, out of consciousness, on some drizzy stuff. But anyways, welcome welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Stephen Talk Soccer Podcast. I am back again to talk more Premier League and just football as a whole, as I've been doing every single episode. You guys probably know the deal by now. And if you don't, then please make sure to download, to subscribe, to leave a rating, to share this podcast with anyone you know that loves football and that will appreciate football as much as we do on this podcast. Of course, as I always say, and also go check out my two most recent episodes with two good friends of mine, one of them being with coach Caden Angers himself, the boss, and also another one with an episode all about Lionel Messi. So if you're a fan of the GOAT, as we call him, and if you don't think he's the GOAT, then you can go and cry and argue about it to me later on and send me you know, a DM or something. All of my socials will be in the links of this episode. But I did an episode with my boy Will where we spoke about Messi for what was on the large larger time period of about an hour and 15 to 16 minutes if you want to hear us waffle on about how Messi is so great and why he's inspired all of us and our generation or his and I his and mine gener- my generation uh to you know become such strong football fans and appreciators of great players such as Messi himself then make sure to go listen to that episode maybe either before this one or after it the order doesn't bother me but if you're interested and want to hear more of that those two episodes just came out recently. Of course, I'll have some more guests on in the future as well. I do have a lot of people lined up. Some are in the archives, but of course, like I said, I've been quite busy, as I say every episode, but it's very true. Like, this isn't the only thing I'm doing at the moment. Of course, I'd love for it to be that way at some point in life, but as of right now, it's not. But uh, without any further, you know, side talk and uh, side quest, you know, uh, missions that I'm on right now, let's get straight into the thick of this of this episode, which is going to be everything that I haven't said since episode three, really. And episode three covered up uh, quite a lot of few things. Um, I feel like it touched on things that were quite typical and familiar. As you guys know, the format of these episodes nowadays is going to be 20 minute episodes. That's my aim is that it's going to be everything I need to say about everything that's happening in football in 20 minutes. That's the new little motto I'm trying to run with. I think it's perfect for you guys. It's perfect for me. So let's get straight into the Premier League action first, and then we'll touch on the broader picture in Europe in a second as well. Um, in terms of the Premier League, a lot, of course, has taken place. Of course, the Premier League football never stops. There's been so much controversy recently, particularly support, uh, surrounding the Liverpool versus Tottenham game that took place this past weekend. But we'll start back a little bit in reverse. Um, you know, we had a really good goal in the game between Manchester United and Burnley from Bruno Fernandes, which for me is already a goal of the season contender. That pass from Johnny Evans, who is a very unlikely source to give such a deli- delicious Pirlo, you know, I don't know, Beckham-esque ball from so far from, you know, in the centre-back position where he plays, finds a really good ball over the top of the Burnley defence. Bruno Fernandes, you know, making this goal look very easy, but I can tell you now that that's one of the most difficult skills to take the ball in the first time out of the sky, out of the sky like he did. And to place it past the keeper so effortlessly. It was a very good goal. United were able to win off of that goal. They didn't really do much else in that game. And to be fair, Burnley had had much more of the bulk of possession. And unfortunately for Burnley, they do play fairly well. They played some good football. And I think they're actually a decent team. But um, they still don't manage to get themselves the results that, that, that their performances merit. This game is just no different. And no different to that same uh, you know stance. And analysis. 
Everton got a big win. Got English. Everton got a big win away at Brentford. Brentford are one of the most difficult teams to play in the Premier League. I think they're not a top six side in terms of quality or even in terms of you know uh, consistency of performances. But in terms of just trying to break them down and trying to find ways to score against them, they're extremely difficult to score against. So for Everton to win three one at the way at the Brentford Community Stadium or GTEC Stadium is extremely impressive, especially because Everton have been terrible this season, in my opinion, and uh, have shown their their lack of quality in various games throughout the season. They have some decent players, but they don't play the football synonymous with the uh with the um the, the success that they would need or you know it's not it doesn't match up with, with the the how do i say this they have some good players but they're the players that they have do not play the football that that they would like to because they're playing dice ball and dice ball does not suit the likes of arnold dan jumar even beto even dominic calvert lewin even jack harrison the list goes on it's not they, he likes playing this very root one football that's what dice talk about in one of his youtube videos came out earlier this past summer it's the same thing he does with Everton right now. It's no different. Or last summer could have been. Anyways, Everton got a big win. Manchester City beat Nottingham Forest during this week. This is obviously the weekend before. Uh, Arsenal, Tottenham. That's the big game we got to talk about, which is where there was a North London derby, which is actually a really, really good game. I have to say, this is one of the better games I've watched so far this season. In terms of quality, it shows that you know Spurs are definitely a team to be reckoned with. I know we banter Spurs all the time. And even me, I've been bantering them. And they picked up some really good results as they've had a fairly tricky start to the season in terms of quality of opposition that they've had to play against up until this point. Uh, this game was against, obviously, a very well-drilled, a very cohesive unit in Mikel Arteta's arsenal away at the Emirates Stadium. And typically, Spurs get cooked when they go to play the arsenal away from home. But this game, they actually gave a good account of themselves. Of course, the duo of James Madison and Hyunmin Son has been the elite duo of the game. Madison being an absolute starlet for Spurs since going there, which to me is no surprise. I've said this to you guys if, before, if you haven't heard me say this already, then you clearly have not been watching my content, which is fine. I hope you're watching it and are listening to it now. But uh, Madison, for me, is one of the best players in the Premier League in his position. I think he's extremely gifted, and it's a shame he went to go play for Tottenham. That's just my personal opinion. Spurs are not a team that I think, if I'm playing football, if they gave me a contract offer, I'm not saying to myself, let me go sign up for Tottenham. Now. Let me go become a, a Lily White and join up with the, the club that hasn't won a trophy in 16 years. And I'm not saying trophy means I should should or should not go there, but their club is genuinely cursed where that's concerned. Spurs can play as well as they want, but until I start seeing them winning some Prems here, some even Europa Leagues, some Champions Leagues, some even FA Cups, even I'll go as low as seeing the last trophy, which is what they won in their history in 2008, even winning a Carabao Cup again in the future and you know in the near future, then we can start to have a real conversation. But winning and doing well in these, or just even drawing in this case, but playing well against good opposition in the Premier League in a one-off game or in various games isn't enough for me to be like this is moving me and you know i know for spurs fans it's more about the quality of football that they're playing and clearly big Ange and postacoglu has got them playing some great football they're a bit leaky defensively i think spurs that's my honest opinion but i do find that all going forward and as a team they play some really good slick football especially coming out of the gates from the beginning of the season i've been quite impressed with what i saw this game is genuinely no different from that same opinion i thought arsenal were okay i don't really think arsenal have been that great this season i really don't i know they beat born with four nothing this season we will get to that in just a second but I don't find that they've been incredibly, you know, breathtaking, uh, uh, breathtakingly good or, like, you know, eye-catching. It's like, oh, Arsenal just absolutely ripping through. And that's maybe what you want them to do if you're an Arsenal fan is just get the points and that's all that matters. And fair play because you're playing in many competitions, a lot of things to balance at once. I get it. But uh, that was a really good game. I thought that Son, you know, proved his worth, especially since Kane is left. They needed to find someone to score the goals that Kane obviously brought to Spurs for so many years. 
And um, Sun has been able to be that guy. I feel like this first team has just has sheer out attacking potential, and they always find a way to get on that potential in most games that they play. You know, they haven't lost a game yet this season, Spurs. I don't think. No, they have. I think they're unbeaten, um, which I think is going to change at some point soon. But as of right now, uh, this was just another good game, another good display against a very good Arsenal team. It shows that their Spurs team is is you know a team to be reckoned with, and it's impressive what they've been able to do so far this season. Um, we'll move on though, because I mean, another big game to mention is the fact that Newcastle have beaten Sheffield United eight nothing. But is that really anything surprising? I don't think that's very noteworthy. I don't think that's a break. You know, um, what's, what's, what does it say? Uh, I don't even know what the statement is or what the expression is. But it's not something that's gonna. It's gonna. It's not earth shattering. It's not gonna break any any glasses, shatter any mirrors. It's not anything like like wow, like this is you know outrageous. Nobody saw. Nobody could see this happening. Like no, we probably expected this to happen. Not eight. Eight is insane. That's where the insane part comes in. But in terms of them getting cooked, Sheffield United, that's not a surprise. They're easily one of the worst teams to come into the Premier League. I've never liked them. I didn't like them underneath Chris Wilder. I don't like them now. It makes no difference to me. They have maybe one player on their team that I'm a really big fan of. A player I want you guys to keep a close eye on if you're going to watch, you know, Sheffield United at all. He came off in the 66th minute of this game, funny enough, which is Gustavo Hamer. I think I'm saying it correctly. The, he is from Netherlands. He's 26 years old. He played for Coventry City the season before and lost in the playoff finals against Luton. Has now made his move to Sheffield United to play Premier League football. And for me, he's been one of the best players. He scored in one of their recent games against Alvarhammer. And I really like him. But I mean, in this game, there's not much you could do. His team got him included, got absolutely annihilated. We're talking Fotheringham, West Fotheringham, the keeper for Sheffield United, having a 4.0 rating on FOTMOB, which is literally the lowest I think I've seen any keeper have since XQC for the Sideman charity match. If you know, you know. And now this is just another yet another example of, uh, you know, the fraudulence that can take place in the Premier League. Newcastle having a field day, literally running at Sheffield United's defense at will, scoring goals at will, having no issue just carving them open like a nice turkey dinner. Shout out Thanksgiving because it's coming soon. A nice turkey dinner just getting absolutely ripped to shreds. Big butcher knife, even bigger butcher knife. Machete comes out. Then you got the chainsaw. They just got absolutely torn, Sheffield United. And this will be a very damaging loss. We've seen teams like this recover, like Southampton in the past. They they lost 9 nothing, as we know, in two seasons in a row uh, a couple of years ago. It wants to that's their one to Manchester United. However, they were able to stay up at least for that same follow same following seasons. I think this could be already the the defining factor for Sheffield United. I don't see a team losing eight nothing and still eight, being able to survive the season. I think Bournemouth lost nine nothing against Liverpool last season and they stayed up. So maybe I'm wrong, but I think Bournemouth's a bit of a a more um, interesting and just a more Premier League ready team than Sheffield United is on the whole. Chelsea themselves lost one nothing to Aston Villa at home. I mean, it was just a shocking decision to send off Malagusto in this game, which completely changed the complexity of this match. Villa actually have been fairly decent in recent weeks. We'll get to them in a minute as they completely obliterated another potential big side or new and up-and-coming big side in the Premier League. But that one goal came coming from Ali Watkins, scoring his first goal of the season. Really good goal, and to be fair to him, it was quite a good finish. But Thiago Silva with an absolute pounder of a mistake and... It's kind of prototypical of Thiago Silva, who's getting up there in age and not being able to match the level of speed and intensity the Premier League requires, particularly of centre-backs in this league. Uh, I thought Chelsea played fairly well, like they have every game. I think Chelsea are the only team in Europe remaining, or I think in the Premier League at the very least, to have won every single game 
um, on XG, unexpected goals. Now, I know that's just a, a very fugazi statistic. Oh, who cares about XG? It's about, it's about the goals he put in the net in the actual game. I do completely hear that. But it does show you that every game, Chelsea find a way to muster the right chances. But it's a lack of cutting edge in front of goal that stops them from winning these games. Because even in this match against Villa, they had created more opportunities and had more of a likelihood to score goals than Villa did. But Villa took a chance, Chelsea didn't, and that was basically the game. Of course, the red card to Gusto, which I thought was never a red card, as these referees in England are absolutely incompetent. But that's, again, another discussion for another day. But uh, regardless, I do find that, um, you know, officiating in England can really sway fixtures, and this is a game that was no different. I think if Chelsea had kept 11 vs versus 11, it would have at least been a draw at the very least. Of course, better finishing from Raheem Sterling, better, you know, decision making from him too, and even someone like Nicholas Jackson in this game, goals would have come, but of course you can't. 2020, oh, what is that word? Hindsight is 2020, so you can't go back and expect those things to change now. However, um, that was the result in that mix- fixture. Liverpool went 3-1 against West Ham. West Ham giving Liverpool a bit of a scare, but nothing too scary, let's be real. Uh, Salah scoring, Nunez scoring, Jota scoring in that game. I mean, classic Liverpool performance, not really fixed, phased by their opposition. Still finding a way to win, no matter who they're playing against. Uh, and just kind of move on. I think it's not any other game really to make, play any close attention to. Uh, let's move on to the next week. And the next week is obviously what took place now. Again, Aston Villa on the top of the, che- of the Premier League weekend. Absolutely slicing and dicing and malicing through Brighton as they win 6-1 at home against a Brighton team who are expected to be the up-and-coming team. The Zerby ball, the Zerby ball, the Zerby ball, the Zerby ball, the Zerby ball. The Zerby ball. You know, all this Roberto the Zerby nonsense. Regardless, Aston Villa absolutely just put them in the blender, then put them in those little waffle makers and overcooked them so they got burnt, then put them in the oven, then put them on top of the the uh, the stove, then put them in the in the barbecue, then in the microwave. They got ripped to pieces. Every goal Unai Emery said celebrated more like he did. he celebrated more and with more enthusiasm than he than he did the last goal. It was hilarious to see his reactions. It was actually going insane when he then his team was scoring with rightfully so of course it's some very good goals to be fair. Watkins scoring a hat trick, even uh, Jacob Ramsey scoring a very good goal off the bench. He's a very good player, a player I like a lot. I think big clubs will be looking at him in the future. Douglas Luiz scoring again at home and for Villa. I think it's about the tenth game in a row, something like that. He scored at home. For, for Villa, which is, again, another ridiculous statistic. Been really, really good this season. I thought, Luis, I really like him. I think he's a very underrated player. And Villa, as a team, have some very underrated footballers as a whole. Brighton completely underestimated their opposition in this game. And I think Brighton had the bulk of possession, particularly in the first half. But, again, we know in football, possession means literally nothing unless you make the most of it and you do something on the ball. Uh, I think Brighton are definitely missing that bite in the midfield. I know Hinshelwood got a 4.9 out of 10, but out of yeah out of 10 but he was actually decent that's a new brighton guy that came into the side apparently he's from a lineage of three or four um ancestors or you know his father his grandfather and his great grandfather are all former footballers at the highest level in england he himself is obviously playing his own career now for brighton which is very nice to see he had a very poor rating but i actually thought he was decent but i didn't think the gilmore and hinshelwood duo was able to outmuscle the douglas louise and kamara duo and that duo for me is quite good i think those guys are good together in my opinion and especially with mcginn who was just there to bully people because that's all he does is run on the field and hit people over like a rugby player um but regardless, it was a really good performance from Aston Villa, who completely dominated Villa and kind of exposed their weaknesses. Brighton do like to press high, and they do like to play the ball out of the back consistently. And I feel like Villa were picking them off in the right areas and winning the ball up high up the field and then able to capitalize and score. Particularly Watkins, like I said, couldn't miss in this game, even if he tried to. 
Um, then we move on to Arsenal winning 4 nothing. That's not really much to say. I mean, Arsenal against Bournemouth is always a formality. I don't think Arsenal ever lose against Bournemouth. I can't remember the last time that they did. Um, yeah, they've won literally every other time except for December 26th. 2019 is the last time Arsenal dropped points against Bournemouth. That's literally four years ago. So that's just for context. You understand what I'm saying. And other than that, Arsenal literally always beat them except for once in 2018 when Bournemouth had won 2-1 at home against the Gunners. In this game, they played at home against the Gunners. Bournemouth, they got absolutely Again, I've been using this expression all episode, ripped to shreds. 4 nothing win for Arsenal. Easy goals, easy game for Saka, for Odegaard, for even Kai Havertz, who I know had a stinker, but was given a decent rating because he scored a penalty that Arsenal felt, you know, kind enough to get to him because they wanted him to get his confidence up. And then, of course, Ben White scoring late in the game as well to make it 4 nothing. A good performance from Arsenal. I think the result is is indicative of a better team, obviously. I don't think Arsenal, like I said, I still don't think they've been as impressive as they, the levels I've seen them play in, in last year's and last season in particular. But again, a win is a win, and that's all that matters is getting these three points on a regular basis. Uh, Luton Town get their first win of the season. They now are the first newly promoted side to finally get a win this season, which is very, very good for them. Uh, that's nice to see. I mean, Everton losing at home, like I said, Everton are shocking. That's not really a surprise. Newcastle winning to nothing. West Ham also winning to nothing. Again, you know, games that you expect these teams to kind of dispatch Burnley and Sheffield United, two newly promoted teams, like I was just mentioning aside. Uh, the big thing I want to mention, however, is two things, obviously, or three things we'll get on them really quickly. Firstly, Wolves beating Manchester City, the lack of Rodri, the lack of Gundogan, obviously being a huge miss for Manchester City in this game. Alvarez scoring a really, really good free kick, looking like almost Messi-esque on the right but I really think his technique is special on these free kicks. Not the first time he scored from a set piece, Alvarez. Probably won't be the last. But Wolves actually played a really, really good game and were excellent at holding this Manchester City team to just the one goal and nullifying Erlen Haaland as well, who had a 6.3 rating on Pop Mob. I'm not saying this means, you know, the uh, this is the be-all, end-all, the statistic or this, this stat rating, but it does show you that Haaland is, can have bad games like this and can be shunned out if the players behind him aren't creating enough opportunities and he's not getting into the game enough. I thought Wolves had a good game and and even when Calvin Phillips came on, that really showed me that, you know, um, Pep or whoever, I mean, Pep was thinking that Phillips would be able to lock things up for, for, for City and at least get a draw. But Phillips came on and made things worse, in my opinion, which is not surprising because I think he's a very subpar footballer, especially for a team like Manchester, to play for a team like Manchester City. But then we had Wolves scoring a really good goal, Huang Hee Chan, or the Korean guy, as we call him, as Pep would call him, the Korean guy, you know, uh, scoring a goal to make it 2 1 and make the Wolves big winners against City and give them their first loss of the season. Now, speaking on to another team who's unbeaten going into this game, two teams that were unbeaten going into this game, Tottenham versus Liverpool. Again, I can, I will literally do a whole separate TikTok on this. And you guys can go check it out again at SDSFT. I will do an episode, a strictly little, quick little video on this game in particular. But this game was just the controversy of a lifetime. It felt like Liverpool were never going to win the game. Even if they had, you know, had like played against eight, seven or six men of Spurs, they still would never have won this game. Tottenham went 2-1 against Liverpool. But again, very controversial circumstances. And the way that Liverpool lost actually was quite you know, hilarious and quite ironic because they actually defended fairly well once they went down to nine men. Yes, nine men in a football match in the Premier League. I don't know it's rare that you really hear that. But Tottenham win 2-1, you know, really good game of football in terms of the neutral perspective and neutral experience. For Liverpool fans, they'll be gutted, they'll be devastated. And rightfully so, I would also be gutted, I'd also be devastated. But again, Henman Son scoring yet again, you know, on a good uh, run of form right now, scoring in front of goal, that's wonderful for him. 
And uh, the Spurs actually had a decent performance. I just thought they really struggled once Liverpool had camped in defensively and done a very good job of keeping Spurs away from their goal. Of course, Matip scoring a late uh, own goal to make Spurs the winners. And of course, like, you know, just like Sheffield United uh, succumbed to Spurs' press in the last couple of seconds of the game. Liverpool did as well. Now, the fast, last thing I want to mention is that Chelsea winning 2 nothing against Fulham, a very quiet match obviously happened earlier today. Mikhail Mudrik getting his first goal for Chelsea. I thought he was quite good. I mean, I think Mudrik will become a great player at some point. Just don't know when, but it will happen soon or sometime in the near future or whatever it is. I just think it will happen in his career. Same thing with De Bruyne, who also scored, scored his first goal for Chelsea nearly a year after being injured for forever at this point. Happy for him as well. Really good win for Chelsea and hopefully a very confidence-boosting result because this team definitely needs it. And with injuries, um, there's so many injuries and so many injured players to return. Hopefully Chelsea can really pack things up and make them more and more uh, uh, so called fit and firing in the real Chelsea team that we expect to see, you know, when, when this team was assembled in the summer and over the course of the last 18 months to two years, or you could say since the new ownership has come in. But big win for the Blues. And uh, that's all I got to say for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, make sure to leave a like, not to leave a like, it's not a YouTube video. Make sure to download, to subscribe, and to follow the Stephen Talk Soccer podcast. As always, I appreciate, appreciate, I appreciate you guys listening. I can't even say the words. Thank you guys again for listening, as always. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, more content coming soon. As more, the more time I have, the more I'll be able to do these. But as of right now, we'll get these as, as frequently as I can put them out. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I'll speak to you guys all again in the future. It's been your boy, The Don. Deuces. Hey everyone, are you enjoying the content? Please be sure to leave a rating and a review and to check out my other episodes. If you're looking for more Steven Talks Soccer content, you can find me at STS Pod on Instagram, at Steve Talks Footy on Twitter, and at Steven Talks Soccer on TikTok. Become a consistent starter in the STS squad.